0: and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie.
1: Will you pray with me? Tis the season, holy one, for praying. Prayers that the grief of the empty chair at the table won't swallow us whole. Prayers that the ceasefire will hold and we can get to dessert without anyone popping off. Prayers that someone will call to say that we are loved. Prayers that everything will turn out all right. Prayers that everyone acts with a little grace with the custody agreement. Prayers that the planes take off and land on time. Prayers that there will be at least one photo where everyone is looking at the camera. Prayers that we won't get any more bad news until after the new year, at least. We trust what scripture says is true, that when we make our requests known to you, that your peace will guard our hearts and minds. So, to all of our other prayers, we add one more, Holy One. Help us to keep the holidays as holy days. A season when, against all odds, we listen for your still, small voice, and let the peace that passes all our understanding settle our hearts and minds. We pray in the name of love itself. Amen. Our scripture lesson comes from the gospel according to Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 36. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom. And courage for interpretation. Yeah, I know. This is the third Sunday in a row of apocalyptic scripture. It is especially odd that this passage arrives to us on this. Sunday. I mean, we are trying to start Advent here, people, so that we can get to Christmas and tell about the shepherds and the angels and the manger and the star and get Jesus born already. How is it that we start with a story where he is a full-grown man? Well, I didn't pick the scripture. I mean, obviously I pick the scripture, but the options come from the lectionary. This church has a long-standing tradition of lectionary preaching. So I know some of you church nerds already know what the lectionary is, but we also have a long-standing tradition in this church of welcoming recovering Baptists. (laughs) And while we know the Bible, We are not quite as up to speed on things like the lectionary and the liturgical calendar. So, the Revised Common Lectionary follows the liturgical year in a three-year cycle and provides scriptural recommendations that complement the current season of the liturgical year. It helps us to regularly mark the foundational events of the gospel, as well as creates seasons so that we might deepen our spirituality and step away from the relentless way of keeping time that is capitalism, productivity, and the glorification of busy. The season of Advent, the season of arrival, opens the new year of the church. It is a time of anticipation and preparation for the inbreaking of the good news. While days grow shorter and the shadows lengthen, we spend 4 weeks watching in f- with faithful expectation for the light of the world. We mark each Sunday with themes of hope, peace, love, and joy. But none of those words are found in today's text. It's almost as if the lectionary thinks that it's opposite day. I mean, you heard it. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. These are words from Jesus, but we might easily mistake them for the intense, emotionally manipulative language of Pat Robertson, The now 91-year-old televangelist of the 700 Club, a man given to predicting cataclysmic events with overly confident particularity. In 1980, he said he expected a war in the Middle East in 1982 involving the world's major powers and the United Nations in which God and Satan would square off. In his 1990 book, The New Millennium, he suggested that April 29, 2007 would mark the end of Western ascendancy in world history and things would tank. In 2020, when Robertson said that God had told him Donald Trump would prevail in the presidential election, he also predicted that sudden destruction of the earth would happen soon some kind of asteroid strike on the globe and the asteroid's arrival would bring with it terrible civil disobedience and a war against israel that will only end when god intervenes it was a lot add to all of this the fact that we live in the era of QAnon, the virtual cult that makes unfounded claims and amplifies them with doctored evidence posted on social media, and whose followers fueled the January 6th attack on the US Capitol earlier this year. It seems reasonable for us to stay away from texts like this, texts that have even the smallest chance to be used to justify the creation of chaos and violence, let's just not let's just not talk about them and and more than that how do we reconcile this language and imagery with the ministry of jesus that was so very centered on the day-to-day struggle of the poor and the oppressed how do we reconcile this hype with the work of jesus who was doggedly committed to rejecting religious legalism and completely focused on deepening spiritual practices of prayer and Sabbath. Perhaps it is because we hear the words of Jesus in the wrong tense. We often think of prophecy as prediction that this will happen, but prophecy is not just prediction. It is naming something that is not right. Jesus' words are so urgent because they do not describe the future, they described the present. Jesus said, truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place, because it was already in motion, taking place, happening all around them. Jesus spoke directly to the heart of the matter. Jesus knew that his people were afraid, and for good reason, because they were being crushed by the empire land was easily seized food was scarce ableism forced people to live in isolation and squalor religious zealots created purity tests to gain power so of course jesus spoke with urgency despite being written thousands of years ago this text certainly has 2021 vibes The images of distress, confusion, and fear mirror the past two years of pandemic crisis, a world in turmoil suffering from disasters, both natural and man-made. It is not so far-fetched to hear this text as if Jesus is speaking to the realities and injustices of our chaotic world. The reason we resonate with these eerily on-time words from many years ago is simple. The very forces that put Jesus' life in danger are the same that are chasing so many of us down today. War, capitalism, racism, greed, sexism, xenophobia and exploitation are choking all of us, even if there are some of us who are temporarily benefiting from patriarchy and white supremacy. Who among us, if we are honest, isn't fainting from fear and foreboding of what is coming up on the world. In a 2020 study on how reproductive plans are being impacted by the current political climate, 96% of respondents said that climate concerns were a factor in deciding whether or not to have children because of the apocalyptic conditions those children might have to survive. One 42-year-old father wrote that, the world in 2050 would be a hothouse hell with wars over limited resources, collapsing civilization, failing agriculture, rising seas, melting glaciers, starvation, droughts, floods, mudslides, and widespread devastation. What does Jesus have to say about that? Well, we note in the text that Jesus does not advise his followers to be afraid. Instead, he says, hope. Jesus offers words not of foreboding, but of hope to a homesick people that felt far away from God. Stand up and raise your heads, Jesus said. We can practically hear him using his best teacher voice. In a tone that is equal parts exasperation and encouragement, in the midst of injustice and chaos and uncertainty, Jesus insists that God is near, so stand up and raise your heads. God is near. But we have to be looking. We cannot be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, which is Bible speak for saying, jesus does not want us to squander our time our money our energy or our resources on things that do not bring abundant life so instead of despair instead of hopelessness instead of cynicism we choose hope we insist on a better world we expect god to keep showing up which we do not see in big, splashy, cosmic displays of power, but in the smallest of things, like Jesus said. The sprouting of leaves on a fig tree, for instance. When we consider what it means to be people of God, people of faith, it is to hold on to that deep longing for our deepest hopes for this world to come true to prepare our hearts to welcome the love that is both not yet and already. When bad things happen, and they do all the time, we shouldn't be caught off guard. We shouldn't let that day catch us unexpected, but instead we must be ready with hope, peace, love, and joy. This is Advent. And perhaps you already know how leaning into Advent can nurture the soul. Or maybe this is your first chance to experience the ways this time set apart encourages us to soften our hearts. So on this first Sunday of this season, as we prepare our hearts, we also prepare our sacred space. We set our intentions. We are clear about what we are about, just like Jesus. This season is about working our spiritual muscle of hope to practice standing up, raising our heads, and knowing that God is near. Part of the way we do this is to purposely change our pace and rhythm at home, but also of worship and of the sanctuary itself so that we are reoriented and given the chance for spiritual awakening, surrounded by signs that indeed God is near. So please join me now as we make ready. You'll need your bulletin and your hymnal, and to follow the instructions from Jesus, sit up and raise your heads, for we are working on saving the world. People of God, we stand at the doorway of the church here on the first Sunday of Advent, and we hear again the old, old words from the psalmist. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. With what shall we come to God's house to remind us of this promise? We bring paraments of blue, pyramids that proclaim God's reign of peace, one that surpasses our understanding and settles into our bones, giving us a quiet confidence that there will be peace on earth. As we place these paraments, we know that there is nothing bigger than the love that is Emmanuel, God with us. May the peace they declare make its home in our hearts. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that God may teach us God's ways and that we may walk in God's path. With what shall we come to God's house to remind us of this promise? Bring branches of cedar and holly, bring evergreens and a pine tree, hang wreaths and garlands. In acts of hanging greens and listening to the words of the prophets and seers, let us make our hearts and this space a place of inward and outward preparation for the one who comes to break chains and give rest to the weary. The prophet Isaiah declared that the people walking in darkness are seeing a brilliant light. Upon those who are dwelling in a land of deep shadows, a light is shining. God, you have brought them abundant joy. With what shall we come to God's house to remind us of this promise? We bring candles, one for each week of advent, representing hope, peace, love, and joy because we expect a world of hope, peace, love, and joy. We are homesick for that world, so today we light the candle of hope because hope keeps our hearts alive as we work for that world. May this light be a reminder that we really are moving closer to that world with every act of kindness, and every offer of mercy. Let our hope carry us all the way there. Amen.
0: You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.MayflowerUCC.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages at 10 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.